We'll start our Bible readings with a reading from the Hebrew Scripture, as Sharon said, where we'll hear the, the name Emmanuel. This is from the prophecies of Isaiah 7, 10 to 17. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. And as a way of honoring the gospel, please stand in body or spirit. Our gospel is from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks be the Lord. Have you ever been in a season of your life where you want God to give you a sign? See a couple people nodding. This is a part of our universal longing. We go through seasons of our lives and we just want some sense of reassurance that we're on the right track. We want God to show us perhaps what to do if what we're doing is correct and we need a a sign. It's a perfectly valid thing to pray for. It's a perfectly valid thing to say, God, show us, make it clear. And sometimes God answers that prayer. And sometimes God says, just trust me. Isaiah was asked, would you you give us a sign? Would Would you ask God to show us 
in this time of unknown, in this time of exile, in this time where, where the intelligentsia and the political leadership was either killed or sent into exile and the people of Israel didn't know whether they would have a future or not. They had seen their glorious places of worship destroyed. They had seen their heritage trampled underfoot, and they wondered, God, are you still there? And Isaiah said to the people of Israel and to all of us, here's the sign that God will give. A young woman shall conceive and give birth to a baby who will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, the the Hebrew word for God with us. What that must have sounded like to the people of Israel. What hope that must have brought. And how long it took for that Emmanuel to be born. Someone may have come to church today just longing for some reassurance that God is with them in the mess of the landscape that we may be walking through. And that is one of the hallmark foundations of our Christian faith is that we believe Jesus to be the Emmanuel, the God with us who said, I'm going to walk with you through this earthly life. I'm going to understand and show you, understand what you're going through and show you that God is with you. And to tell you once and for all, people of Israel, people of the world, that God is love and that God can only love. In fact, Jesus in his Teachings would always share illustrations of just how much God loves us, no matter what, the no matter whatness of God. And one of those images that we will unpack a little bit today in our conversations in the spiritual life, Paul Young, the, the, the writer of The Shack, has this wonderful Trinitarian image of God rushing towards us saying, let's be in relationship. This love that the three have cannot be contained. It wants to invite everybody in. Everybody. Not just followers of Jesus. Everybody. The the Trinitarian God said to this, this young woman named Mary, who may have been 14 years old, We want to be part of humankind. Are you willing? Are you open? Do you trust us? And she said, yes. Let it be with me according to your will. And, And the Trinity said, yes, back. And everything changed. We 
We're invited into a love before we were even born. Have you ever held a baby and just loved that child? The child has done nothing but be a baby. Some of you are sitting next to those people. The child has not done anything good. The child has not said the right things or done the right things. The child is just a child. And we have loved them. That's a glimpse into the love of God. God's hope, God's desire is for all of us to live in the flow of love, to receive God's love, to give God's love, to be transformed by God's love, to put nothing but love out into the world in expressions of compassion, expressions of justice. The early church had a a creed, in, in Latin it was ubi caritas, where there is care. Et amor, you know what amor is, love. Deus ibi est, God is right there. We wonder sometimes, where is God? In the midst of the tragedies that we may walk through, in the midst of the messes of our lives, look for love, look for compassion, that's where God is. In the season of Epiphany, we're going to start something new here. We're going to invite members of our church to talk with with me about an epiphany. You've had an opening, a revelation where your eyes have seen the handiwork of God. And for a minute, this is going to be really hard, for a minute, at the beginning of the service, people will just stand here at the lectern and share their epiphany where God has opened their eyes to something. It may be too sacred to share in a minute. It may be too sacred That's why I'm inviting you to tell me your stories and let's talk about it and see if if it's something that you would entertain sharing in a minute. But I can tell you to look for God's handiwork in the love, in the compassion that not only you give, but that you receive. That may be where we see God most clearly. You know, when when I was a kid, I thought... that God would love me if I did God's work. As I matured in faith, I realized that God's love is not contingent on me doing good things. Bless you. God's love is constant. Our doing good things is a response to God's love. It is a natural outflowing of not even being able to contain God's love. Which is why I'm so grateful that the choir sang what they did today. And I'm so glad, Tom, that you put those words on the, on the wall for us to really reflect on some Advent and Christmas wisdom. I close with this. 
from one of the great Christians of the 20th century, Howard Thurman, a pastor, a theologian, a prophet. And he reminded us of the work that we do not to earn God's love, but as a response to God's love. When the song of the angels is still, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nation, to bring peace among brothers and sisters, to make music in the heart. Friends, this is our joy and our task. Amen.